0: Welcome to the Go Reboot Your Life Podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Thie, and together we're embarking on a journey of impact, mission, and innovation to help you reclaim your power and shift from surviving to thriving. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Go Reboot Your Life Podcast. My name is Lisa Thie, and I'm excited to bring amazing friends, mentors, colleagues, and confidants on to share their stories of rebooting their lives with you. So today I have my guest, Matt Soweth. Matt is a longtime ally in the trust and safety space. His experiences range from the classroom to the boardroom and everything in between. And he has gone through a life reboot recently. And so I'm really excited to bring his story to your your radios or wherever you're hearing this so that you can start to think about what a reboot might look like for you in the future. So welcome to the show today, Matt.
1: Yay, excited to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you. So what's keeping you busy these days? Can you share a little bit about your current role and how that aligns with your passions?
1: Yeah, uh, a few things going on. So uh, first and foremost, uh, All Tech is Human, which is sort of leading the responsible Tech movement. It's the largest community of responsible tech innovators in the world based out of New York. So I am currently the head of trust and safety and global policy for that org. Uh, what that means is I get to go out and talk about trust and safety and see what the landscape looks like, whether it's in academia, tech, industry, uh, you kind of name it, and continue my ongoing work within the community there. I'm also a senior advisor with uh, Tremau, which is a French-based company focused on regulations. So particularly if you follow trust and safety, you're well aware of the Digital Services Act coming down in Europe, or you also have the Online Safety Act in the UK. And so uh, Tremau's job is to help companies with systems and processes either related to regulatory compliance, uh, meeting those needs, um, as well as just uh, day-to-day trust and safety, right? think about procedure, workflows, that kind of fun stuff. And then some nonprofits. So Aaron Judge Al-Rice Foundation, so I help out with their marketing and strategy. That mission is dedicated to essentially developing good uh, youth citizens, right? Providing grants, opportunities, resources for young people to make a difference and impact in their communities.
0: So it sounds to me like you have pieced together uh, different ways that you can contribute along an aligned mission of increasing online trust and safety for yourself, your communities, and the world. Am I hearing that right?
1: Yeah, very much so. It's, it's very different from where I started or, or thought I needed to be when I first entered the workforce many years ago.
0: Well, on that note, life is full of turning points. So can well, you share yes. a pivotal moment that adjusted your journey uh, towards significant changes? And how did those help you to resonate with your core values?
1: Yeah, there, there were a few of those moments. So I always knew somehow inside I wanted to be an entrepreneur. Like my risk threshold was, was pretty low. Like I could hop on a plane tomorrow and be in a new country type thinking in my twenties. And for me, so I played basketball in college, which isn't saying much, like I was so far down on the bench, you had to open the door so I could watch the game, but it was, I love being part of it. Right. I get to, you know, do some work with the NBA, run different camps. And at that point in my life is very exciting. And then it came time to graduate, I think like most 22-year-olds, like I had no idea what I wanted to do. And there's a lot of pressure, you know, my, you know, growing up with depression era parents and and that mindset of, you know, get a job, get a career, get a retirement. And I was gonna, like, I was just connected with a buddy who played baseball and he's like, hey, we're we're making beer. Do you want to learn how to do that? And I'm like, I would love to do that. was going to be a bartender, which, you know, tips in a college campus, like pay pretty well. And especially uh, in your 20s, it feels like, oh, my God, rolling in it. Yeah. You you don't need much to survive then, uh, especially when you're living on top ramen. So the the whole idea was that I was going to work in another friend's bar, um, learn they were just getting to launch a brewing program at UC Davis. And then I get hit with the Well, that's not a career. What are you going to do? And I just I panicked. I'm like, "I, I don't know. Like, I got money. Like, what else do I need? And uh, after much family pressure, because you know that that's what they knew, I broke down and took a coaching job. The irony of coaching college basketball is I made as much money coaching that first year as I would have made in about two weekends of bartending. So that'll give you an idea of like where pay scales are at. So that was kind of the first moment of like what I knew what I wanted to be. I ended up in education because that was just the natural actual, uh, actual trans transition, right? And so I landed in teaching and, and did that for fifteen years, and then. Discovered some other talents, right? Like, it's very tech forward. I love media. Was able to get involved in different aspects of that, whether it's writing grants, integrating technology in the classroom. Eventually, smartphones and uh, digital media. I taught video production, and that that kind of led to a whole new realm where people are like, "Hey, we want to use tech in the classroom. Like, how how can we use this?" So, you know, early days, whether it was Twitter and Facebook or Instagram. And that's what kind of led to my first nonprofit. I always joked that Google searched for me, right? Because I ended up at a conference and they just happened, their public policy team was there and they're like, "This, what's this program be figured out? So, you know, a friend and I had started a nonprofit. Actually, not long after that, started a nonprofit focused on educating youth around online safety called I Can Help. So through there, another skill I discovered, I'm very good at networking, right? You meet people, you add value, you give back. And That led to meeting someone else. And then we started a social media helpline for schools and then did that for a few years, landed on some advisory boards, you know, early days of Twitter, things like that. Just kind of growing in the space, you know, boots on the ground in education to now being in the tech industry. And then had another friend who got hired pretty early on at TikTok uh, in like 2019. And I'm like, hey, are you hiring? Like, oh, we'd love to have you. And uh, that's how I kind of finally landed in, in the tech space in there. So it's just been sort of these moments in my career that have all added value to where I'm at now, right? That's the crazy part. And this is what, like fifth or sixth career, but they're rooted in similar things. One is just a desire to learn and grow. Two is this ability to kind of create and give back. And three, is it's a mix of actual practice and doing the work and then being able to kind of work on the systems that then inform influence and can actually make an overall impact in the space.
0: So Matt, reflecting on that journey, can you share the moment where you started to really feel that alignment between making money and your mission and getting more aligned with something that you felt like was values-driven? And how did that impact your overall satisfaction and energy with life?
1: Yeah, that, that was much more recent. I think I always felt good about the work, mostly because of how I was raised and I think just being human. I never really saw the value of me. And and what I mean by that, just the the things I've learned, the relationships that I've built, it's one of those where it's just like, yeah, it's just what I do. But I I never really put a price tag on that, and that's a limiting statement, right? It's more than just value, but it's it's the appreciation for the work, the experience, and, and the things that I know I'm able to do, and and that the value that I can add. More recently, you know, kind of like my last job it was it was a killer job. Spectrum Labs is imagine it was my Disneyland, right? If I wanted to be happy, like that was the place you would go to and work and. They've done such a great job of building up a good community and culture at at that company. And so in that end, it's just like, all right, now what? And I think the hardest thing- For listeners that aren't
0: familiar with Spectrum Labs, can you share a little bit about what that company was and why it felt like Disneyland to you?
1: Yeah, it was just, one, they did an incredible job of hiring, right? And that's a core value for me, find people you like hanging out with and figure out a way to work with them. Two, uh, you know, solving some tough problems on the internet, specifically in this case, it was content moderation, right? Um, looking at complex AI algorithms to find the worst behaviors, uh, text-based behaviors. Three, uh, the CEO, Justin, was very committed not just to building a good product, but he wanted the industry to be better. And I think that was rare at that time of here's someone who wanted to see the entire industry improve, not just build a great company that you could sell in a few years or get acquired or anything else. So um, that was different. So, when you leave that, you know, you see a landscape of uh, particularly in tech that tends to be more money focused. How can I 10X my investment versus the how can I make this place better than when I left it? I, I do think that narrative shifting, but it's still not entirely the norm, right?
0: Yeah. Every entrepreneur still has a fiduciary responsibility to their investors yeah. and their board. And so, balancing the impact that you can have with building a product and the fiduciary responsibility, you hope could be in perfect alignment and optimized for both. But realistically, oftentimes the financial investment gets prioritized. And I I do agree being affiliated uh, as an advisor with that startup, they were able to have a little bit more balance. Uh, yeah. The tech stack was so compelling. They had a little bit of room to hold firmer ground <laughs> yep. to their mission. So with that, how did that impact your overall energy and satisfaction with life being in an environment where You were aligned with the leadership, the mission of the company, and you felt like you had unique value to bring to the table with what you do uniquely well.
1: Yeah, well, uh, kind of going back there, there are two experiences in my life. Um, So fun fact about college sports is a lot of college coaches, they're either OCD, manic depressive or something else. Like it is a very intense space to be in. I mean, if you're not winning, you're losing, right? Like you, if you don't win the championship, you know, it's hard to kind of see the lining uh, the golden lighting to the experience. So um, it's very intense. There's good and bad about that. In in working for individuals, two individuals in my life who were either manic depressive or OCD to an extreme, like stuff that I dealt with, like a lot of gaslighting, just being undercuts, um, you know, the person will say one thing to your face, say something else behind your back. And, you know, just over the years, having a few of those experiences, it's, it's really deflating, right? Not that I'm overconfident or underconfident. It's just like, well, I'm just trying to do the right thing and help people out. And like, why are these things happening to me, right?
0: Why am I a magnet for feeling like I could be shifted to the side at any time or yeah, left behind. Not worthy. Right.
1: And I, I particularly at a larger company, I think that can happen, right? Because it's easy to get missed when there's that many people. For me, like these are, you know in smaller places and, and it was hard. It's just like, wait, do you like this? Do you not like this? And, and then just the rationalization, it was not healthy. So by the time I got to a point where I was in a healthy work environment, someone would be like, hey, I'm really glad you did that project. My brain is just like, wait, are they complimenting you? Do they want something? Like, when, like when's the shoe going to drop? And um, I think the last year, particularly, so the spectrum roll ended, we got acquired by another company. I mean, that month I was just applying for jobs and, and none of them were really a good fit. Um, which we can get into later, but when when I looked at my time with Spectrum, it was one of the first times where I got a lot of latitude to go out and speak on trust and safety, to actually share my thoughts, not what others were thinking, and really drive a lot of business to the company, and and it was good. And I remember at one point, you know, I asked the CEO, and I'm like, you know, hey, like you keep you know supporting my work, doing all this all this, all this other stuff, like why is that? It's like man, every person you brought in and introduced us to is like added value or led to a contract or we ended up working with. It's like, why would I not invest in that? And I'm like, oh, yeah, why would you not invest in that? That's a great point. And it it really, I think when that role ended and before these new roles started, you know, a few months later, it was really just acknowledging the fact that, you know, like I do have a lot of value in this space. Um, you know, my opinion does matter. The relationships I built matters and that I'm uniquely positioned and I've worked hard to get here. To, I think, make an impact on trust and safety and kind of, you know, uplift and, and other stories as well. But just kind of be that sort of connector of all things that are good when it comes to online safety.
0: In fact, I believe that's the first time we met was co-presenting at the Marketplace Risk Conference uh, yes. together. And I agree. You do have a very valid perspective, especially being able to represent the voice of someone coming from the classroom and seeing the mm-hmm. impact on children real time. Uh, as a parent of three yourself, having to navigate that landscape of being responsible for younger people and what they do on platforms, and then ultimately being uh, a community leader and uh, somebody who brings together the best minds to make sure that we have a coordinated path forward to something a little bit better than we were the day before, right?
1: Yeah, very much so. And it's, that's fun.
0: <laughs> is energizing uh, when it when it suits your strengths and also your uh, values. And I, I think that's yep. what I'm hearing out of this, was there was no conflict anymore and you didn't have to hustle for your worth because yep. you could see the path. Yep. So I feel like right now a lot of people are experiencing change not on their own terms. We hear a lot about layoffs. We hear a lot about... um The impacts of the pandemic on families and and making different family choices, all of those things. And so, I was just wondering if you could share a brief life experience that you've had and how you navigated it when unwanted change came into your life.
1: Yeah, I think I'm pretty fortunate being where I'm at in my career. So one of the biggest things I think facing industry, I'm hearing a lot is is return to office, right? So you're hearing about teams are being asked to move, centralize, relocate, and one of the One thing that I do think is clear we can point to uh, with the pandemic is there was a lot of hiring happening, particularly within tech. So a lot of those layoffs, I think, are A, reactionary to that. B, some potential redundancies in the industry. I want to see research research on this. If anyone's doing it, let me know. That'd be kind of cool. But then, you know, or consolidation of teams, right? Centralized. And, you know, these companies, particularly in tech, have, have spent a lot of money on offices. And so you have sort of this cultural struggle, Between, well, hey, we proved we were productive at home for three years. Like, why are you making us go to an office now? And it's, it is a fair question. But because of the economy and where things are at, um, you know, employers have that ability to say, like, no, we want you in an office, right? Good or bad, that's what they want. And when I talk to folks, like for me, I was interviewing positions and that was kind of one of the rules they had to make. Like, if I have to go to an office, like I'm not close to San Francisco. And one job was just like, I to you here three days a week. And I'm like, that's like 15 hours a week. I'm either in a car or on a train. Like, that is not a good way to spend my time. In fact, I had a memory this week that popped up. One of my last teaching jobs, I was commuting an hour each way. And because of the activities I was doing, I could spend easily 12 to 15 hours a day at work. And it was just, it was a basic sunrise picture because that's how early I had to leave. And I, I don't miss that. So I don't mind, you know, hey, once a month if I have to travel somewhere, but it's, you know, and, you know, back to core values, like I want to spend time with my kids. I remember when I chose to leave TikTok, which a lot of people warned me against. I remember asking my son and he's just like, well, well, does this mean you're going to have less meetings? I'm like, what do you mean? And he's like, you're in meetings all day. Like we never have any time together. And this is coming from a six-year-old. So I'm like, all right, if the six-year-old knows I have too many meetings, like what is he seeing that I'm not? And so trying to strike that balance, you know, it's like I'm in my 20s and all I can do is hustle because I would have done it then. Like, I would, my work ethic's pretty crazy. But as I'm older, it's like, how can I be home more? How can I be around for the kids' events? You know, can I have jobs that make an impact? You know, I don't mind putting in the time, but being mindful of everything in my life and not just one or two things, but, you know, trying to find space for all of it.
0: So Matt, for somebody who is feeling overwhelmed right now, trying to find space for everything in life, not just one or two things. Yeah. Can you share some practical tips that you can offer to initiate positive changes towards moving closer to that goal? Some things that you use to get there.
1: Yeah, there there were a few things. I think really doubling down on sort of my personal values, Right, I put more faith in people than systems and in institutions, right? So Example would be if, if I apply at a company, if I know the manager and they're going to be there a bit, like I, I'm more likely to trust them because companies will change much more than, say, leadership and coworkers, right? So you want to be on a good team. A long time ago, my former basketball coach, he said, never take a program where you can't win. And that was, as I look at businesses, you know, don't, don't go work somewhere, you know, it may look cool or be on a resume, but if it's toxic or if it's a struggle, like you're going to be miserable. It's not worth it. Two is once I set the goal of I don't want to move because those opportunities were there, right? I, I had opportunities in Europe, a few other places, but then when you know, I sat down with the family and we discussed the options, it was like, no, nah, we kind of want to stay here. And so for me, that was a goal, um, which means I either had to be, A, I had to be very strategic in what I was reaching out for um, and B, um, just being you know uh, mindful of, uh, I'm going to have to be patient, right? It's This job is not just going to appear And then from there, like things just kind of started falling in place. I had folks reaching out to me. I just, I let the right people know what I was looking for, what that could look like. And um, it it kind of aligned. It it took a couple months, but I think that was the hardest part because I'm used to always doing, I'm used to always being active. And by being active, I don't mean like going for a walk three hours a day, but like I need to be creating or in a meeting or something else. And when I'm not like, that's when I get stressed out. So trying to, for me, be mindful of the fact it's like, I don't have a lot to do today and that's okay. Right and trying to think through what that looks like, you know, what opportunities do I have to create work? Does that work exist at a company, right? Like another variable to consider is money. You know, it's great to have financial goals, but if the financial goals are your only achievement, then, you know, is is that the happiness that you desire, right? Is that going to bring fulfillment? And for me, at the end of the day, it's like, no, like I turned down a few director positions that were well into the six-figure range, but would have had me away from home or you know, in meetings all day, just to an extreme where I'm just like, yeah, you know, if I'm going to make that kind of money, I'd rather make it for myself than for someone else.
0: That makes a lot of sense to me. So how did you identify those core values for yourself? Was that something that you had to to stop and reflect and update and dig deep for? Or was that something that you'd had enough life experience that, that you already kind of knew what worked I'd, for you?
1: Yeah, no, I, I had the life experience, but I never reflected on it, right? I, I said, I'm like the one the one I fall back on a lot is find people I like to work with a lot of my projects now are defined by, you know, who's trying to work on something. And then how can I figure out a way to bring them into the circle on a project? That's fun. But other
0: one. Beneficiary of that personality type that you have. I, I agree. It is fun. Uh, it is it is really nice to be on the other end of that and feel seen and heard and valued. Yeah. That's a gift you give everybody you interact with. Thank
1: you. And the the other one, it was nice, uh, shameless plug for your book, but it was nice because I know one of the chapters that you pushed me to, part of it is how, right? Like, it's one thing to sit there and reflect, like, I drink some tea and meditate. like, I I don't know how to do any of that. But I think within your book, one of the chapters is like, you know, what are some of your skills? And that was the one I kind of started from is like, what are the skills? Okay, based on those skills, what are things that I can do related to those skills that make me happy? Obviously, opening a restaurant was not one of them. I like cooking a lot. So, you know, dialing in on the tech side of things is identifying the behaviors, the things I like doing, and then turning that into, okay, what applicable areas can that support, which in turn then kind of gave me a little more focus on like, all right, who do I need to reach out to and say, and let this person know, Hey, I'm looking for something. And that, that was a big shift. I think too, you know, back to that, I need to be doing something was just identifying locally, like what are ways that I could get involved, right. To kind of sort of be useful and give back a bit. So whether it was volunteering at my kid's school or, you know, we like we do some work locally here with the food bank and a few other places. So just trying to find those opportunities where I can add a little bit of value and and share my skills and just create opportunity for others. Right. Um, Even if it's just career mentorship or folks trying to come up in the space or a lot of folks coming up from academia or the most common one is like, I just learned about trust and safety. Like, how do I get involved? Right.
0: And if I'm not mistaken, I think there was a little woodworking during that time as well, right? Some time for oh, just yes. play and creativity and yeah. and just finding satisfaction and joy for just the enjoyment of it, not for anything yeah. else, right?
1: Just a creative, outlet right? I did, did some wine barrel furniture with something I always wanted to do, and uh, I've since run out of room, so I was told I can't make any more. And then cooking, right? I love the same with the furniture and cooking are very similar the fact that I can create something and then share it, right? Something that we can all enjoy or or, or gain some kind of value from like that. That's something that's really important to me. You can sit around and play video games all day, but like no one's going to sit there and watch my feed and be like, that was an amazing game you just played. Whereas a dinner, I know someday my kids are going to be off somewhere and be like, God, I really wish like I missed dad's food. Like It's really good.
0: As a beneficiary of a daughter who had a father who's a great cook, I guarantee that will absolutely <laughs> be something that comes back to them.
1: Right? In the I love it.
0: Last but not least, I would love to close with getting your definition of success. I think success means different things to different people. I think it can also evolve over the course of your life. How have you redefined success over time, and what does it mean to you today?
1: Yeah, I, there's a lot there. Like I, I've, I've kind of learned at this point in my life is there are a lot of mentors who enter our life at the different stage in which we were at, and I think if a mentor is good, they should not be with you forever. Some do, right, because you build those relationships, but inevitably... The hope is that you will level up and move beyond wherever they're at. And if it's a good mentor, you want them to believe that for you. So that that's something in terms of my evolution is it's been unique to see the mentors that come into my life, when they've come into my life and how they've kind of helped me sort of grow personally. And that's led to an amazing network of people who all want to do good, right? You know, for, for my wife and I, it's funny, I was actually ready to move to Europe and then I met my wife and that kind of changed things. So for for us, it's it's a few basic things, right? Number one, I really enjoy, hope, and love the idea of not having massive amounts of debt. I think that's something from a financial goal, family goal. You know, we talk about budget and, you know, everything we can to kind of control that side of things. Uh, shout out to my depressionary parents as well for that one. But the, uh, uh, you know, just being able to afford life and not have to worry about where that next expense is going to come from, right? We're, we're pretty lucky that way. And I think where we live has is, is helped that. Hence that I really don't want to move if I don't have to idea. Two is really working on stuff that uh, is fun and unique and, and an interesting problem to solve, right? I, I do get bored easy. And so being able to have unique conversations, being able to connect folks together, and work on these problems, And particularly work at these problems on scale. You know, when I was teaching, most educators I worked with were content to be in their classroom. It's neither good nor bad. It's just where they're at. And I'm like, well, if I'm doing good stuff, I want to know what other people are doing. Right. And so you might collaborate within a school, within a district. And then from the district, you get a county. You know, from the county, like in my case, I was working across the state and other places. And everyone's like, this is interesting. And You know, the more interesting it gets, I know others would get very concerned. It's like, why are you speaking at this conference and how can we go into this event? I'm just like, I want to learn. It's exciting. I get a chance to give back. People find value in that. Um, It's the same in the tech industry, right? Being able to work with other stress and safety professionals, see the similarities and problems and also the differences. What's happening in gaming may not be what's happening in dating or maybe it is overlapping, right? It may not be exactly the same as happening on social, but being able to share those best practices, have those conversations and really impact help, and social good at scale, that's exciting for me. Like, I I love doing that kind of stuff. So continuing that work. And three is, is travel. As a kid, you know, we didn't have much. So if we drove an hour and a half and went camping, that was vacation. And my parents made an effort to have that. We just didn't have the money. Like, we didn't go to Disneyland you know, we didn't hop on planes and fly across the country. Like if, if we did that, like that was a really big deal. I mean, actually I think it happened once as I was growing up, but you know, my parents were like, I'm very good about saving for college and, you know, making sure that, you know, we had money put away and, you know, we could afford, uh, if I needed shoes for something, like I would go mow lawns. Like it, it was those type of values that were kind of put into us. And so as I think in my kids, what I'm trying to do is, you know, are am I making enough money so like my kids could have the same opportunities in college and hopefully you know, not have to take out a massive amount of loans and, you know, be in a place. And, you know, back to the point I was making before the money rant, I want to travel, right? Can, can I marry my work to opportunities to see new places and, and be in new spaces? And I've, I've managed to do that, right? Like I'm in New York a couple of times a year. I love baseball. I'm working with Aaron Judge L. Rice Foundation. Like I get to oh. go to baseball games, you know, and, and whether it's, you know, Yankees or whoever, I'm at 21 ballparks now. I want to hit them all. Uh, I think there's over 30. But just the fact that I get to marry my love of baseball with uh, social entrepreneurship, the fact that I get to travel to New York in uh, or Australia, you know, London, Europe, France, like it's I, I get to marry my desire, joy of travel with work as well. So trying to pull that together has been pretty pretty exciting.
0: Yeah, Matt, I remember when the call came in that the Disneyland job was coming to an end, and I remember sitting at coffee and offering you a copy of. Go reboot your career Mm -hmm. in 90 days, thinking to myself, boy, I wish I could fix this. I know I can't, but at least I can help him understand that he's not alone and Mm -hmm. there's scaffolding to get there. And to see that in a few months' time, not only have you turned down the wrong things that would have seemed like dream jobs probably five years ago, to seeing you step into the your power as an entrepreneur to craft the job of your dreams, not just accept the roles that are offered to you, is the whole reason I put my story out there and my recipe for moving past the difficulties. And so I am so grateful that you're here sharing this today because I hope that with a little bit more of the recipe and the how, when people are in those moments, they can get unstuck and run towards that next great thing. And I think your story really exemplifies the power that is possible when you slow down and decide to stabilize, dream, and plan. So thank you so much for being a guest today. And uh, for folks that want to follow your journey or connect with you, can you share the best places to find you?
1: Yeah, you you can find me on LinkedIn. It's just my name, uh, Matthew Soweth. Uh, you'll see it on there, Trust the Safety, I'll Take as Human. And that's the best one. I got a podcast uh, coming out too if folks want to check that out. It's called Safety is Sexy. It is everything the name implies, but we're kind of like we talked about today, taking really complex issues in online safety and just try to make them accessible and understandable because there's, there's a lot happening in this space. So,
0: Boy, you, uh, you just took the words out of my mouth. I was thinking, where is Matt going to be sharing these ideas <laughs> on a broader scale? So yep. I am so thrilled to hear about that, Matt. And thank you so much for your time today. And uh, keep shining.
1: Yeah. Hey, can I can I say one more thing? Absolutely. So back back to that moment when you and I had coffee and uh, I don't want to say I was desperate. I was desperate. And it wasn't that I needed I knew change needed to happen. But what I loved about it is when I was talking to you, I'm just like, I I just how do I do this? And like, you know, you're like, start at this chapter right here. And that's that's the thing, right? If there's a process and a procedure to get unstuck. I think that's what was most helpful to me and and got me thinking in a forward direction versus getting caught up in my own negative feed loop. So, yeah, that's why I'm talking to you and I love the book is it just kind of gave me a process to go through uh, to get where I needed to go, because sometimes we can be our own worst enemy and it's it's nice to have a, a plan to work towards something.
0: Thank you, Matt. That touches my heart deeply. I remember when I was at some of those inflection points as somebody who has rebooted my career multiple times over the years now. I was like, "I have too big of feelings and too much dread to to navigate this and not have a map." And when I looked around, I just didn't find it. It nothing that resonated for me, yep, and the unique challenges that I was trying to optimize for. And so hearing that it was of service to someone else is the best gift you can give to an author, I think. So thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> OK, well, for those of you interested in learning more about the process, please feel free to visit Amazon or Barnes uh, to invest and go reboot your career in 90 days. And for those of you that are looking to break in or grow in the trust and safety industry or just share a passion of sports and baseball and basketball with Matt, he's a good hang. Uh, please uh, feel free to connect with him on LinkedIn. And thank you for joining us today. Keep shining. Thanks for listening to the Go Reboot Your Life podcast. For more information and important links from today's show, or if you have ideas or great suggestions, contact information and links are in the show notes.